Crapping mimosa, these bars in the holster. Pouring up a drink, put my name on the poster. Women who can rap make you come a little closer. Step out the whip, drop a tip to my chauffeur. New guest on my list, champagne's by my hips. It's time to get lit. Y'all know what it is. It's time to rap, 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 and mimosas. And we are back with another great episode of Rap and Mimosas. I am honored today to be sitting here with uh, politic royalty. Okay, we have Senator Dwight Bullard in the building. Woo! I'm excited. I'm excited to be on Rap and Mimosas. I mean, I'm a fan. First time caller. No, I'm just missing. Uh, <laughs> uh, congrats to you on just you know making this thing a reality uh it's a it's a, it's a dynamic concept i'm just happy to be a part of it so thank you for the invitation well thank you for agreeing to come on this show on this platform where we're going to get in your business today i'm here for it okay now for the people who may not know who you are or when you were senator or any of these different things who may not have followed your career can we get just a little tidbit about you yeah a little, little snippet uh so greetings everybody senator dwight bullard uh born in philadelphia raised here in the county of dade down south i'm a down south kid shout out to miami killian cougars for those who know down south and no state championships that's what we do um but um yeah, my parents were involved in politics. Uh, both my parents were in the state legislature. Both my parents were teachers. So I've done both. I've taught <laughs> and I've been involved in politics. Uh, I was elected to the state house in 2008, to the state senate in 2012. Mm. Um, you know, I know Rapper Mimosas is, is recorded in the, in the great community of Overtown. So I actually used to represent Overtown when I was in the senate for four years. So mm. shout out to all the towners uh, who showed me love when I was uh, representing uh, this community in the uh, in the state senate, and uh, now I work as the senior political advisor for an organization known as Florida Rising. Oh, okay. Florida Rising, which is the state's largest independent political organization. Talk a little bit about what that is later on. I'm sure in the questions, but just happy to be here. Happy to spread the message of why you should care about politics. Primarily because politics is going to care about you whether you care about it or not. Hello. Turn you up. Okay. Now, before we get into the nitty gritty of, you know, the politics version, I want to learn a little bit more about Dwight. Yeah. Okay. Senator. Okay. Now, you said that you were pretty much raised up in it. What was yeah. that even like to be raised up around it in it? You know, I, I've been around politics so long that I honestly don't know what life is like without it. My first campaign that I ever worked on was uh, when my mom ran for state rep back in 1984. <laughs> I was uh, I was all of seven. Uh, I was holding up signs, knocking on doors, talking to folks, trying to use my cute chubby cheeks to convince people to vote for my mom. And, um, and so, yeah, so we've always been around it. And it's just... It's not that, you know, it's not like our parents, like, embedded it in us. It's just we were always around people that were connected to politics. So mm -hmm. I met Carrie Meek, you know, may she rest in peace, super early on. I was able to, you know, meet Athlete Range. These are some of the Miami political pioneers uh, before she passed years ago. And so just being able to be around 
that caliber of people. We talk about like uh, you know appreciating our ancestors. It was a real blessing to kind of really grow grow up in a space where you were able to interact with those kind of folks. Mm-hmm. That sounds powerful. So your career. So you started off. You know you got involved pretty early because it, you were around it. It influenced you. Absolutely. What made you decide that you wanted to take that leap? Because you know when I think about politics from a perspective of like you know every I think everyone's thought would I ever run for something one day like would that be something of interest to me I thought about that and I thought about would I ever want to be a preacher right and both of those are high up not be like just in the level of expectations I feel like people hold right um they either think you're gonna be full of it right or they want to put all this pressure on you to be all of these things to them, the community, and so on and so forth. What made you think, I want to take that on? So it's funny, because growing up in and around politics, I had that same mentality, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't want the pressure, I didn't want the perception, I didn't want people in my business. All, all the things that go through people's minds when they're thinking about it. Um, when I finally decided to do it, though, it was because I had developed a skill set. Mm. I couldn't deny that. Like, I think too often times, and this is just broadly, right, people develop a particular skill mm-hmm. um, and then don't realize that that is really kind of like God's way of telling you that this is a thing. Mm. And you are really going to be at a crossroads at some point on whether or not to implement that thing that you know that you've been given, that gift you've been given, or not, you know, for people who are great talkers who choose not to get into commentary or mm. broadcast journalism or those things, you're kind of wasting this talent. For those of you that are singers, whether you choose to do it in church or actually take it, uh, you know, uh, on a professional level, that's a, a God-given talent. And so, for me, it was 2008 or 2007 at the time. Uh, Barack Obama had just announced his candidacy for president. And I got inspired of this idea of trying to help out. So my first inclination was, let me go knock doors for Barack. Okay. Um, but I remember in his speech, he was just like, we need people at every level of government to help kind of move this agenda, this hope and change agenda. Mm-hmm. And so it dawned on me. I was like, okay, I'm at a local level, have an opportunity. I've worked campaigns. I've been a campaign manager. Why not? give it a shot and so um, made a decision he announced in February of 07 I decided to announce in April of 07 that I was going to run for state rep mm. the rest of the day say is history how did running affect your date in life like this is a little bit early for your date in life but did it affect it because I couldn't imagine like I don't know if I could date a politician I feel like that's pressure so yes and no, right? Yes. To a degree, you're in the public eye. But it also, the the thing about folks is they have this concept that you talked about in terms of what politicians are. Mm-hmm. But most of us don't know who these people are. Mm. It's very, you know, if you talk to any person, you know, off the street, and if they have their voter information card, it might have the districts that they represent. But if you were to go to say, all right, do you know who your school board member, who your state rep is, mm-hmm. or your state senator is, or your congressperson is? People would name all kinds of things. People would name people at different levels of government. 
uh, in terms of who they know or don't know. So that means that there's a level of anonymity that also comes with a particular level of politics that people don't appreciate. For those who know, they know. Ask the questions, they want to know how my taxes are being spent, all those things. But for everyday people, and this is part of the larger problem of apathy and not understanding the, you know, the maneuvers of politics, they just don't know. And that's, it's sad, but that's a particular reality. So I say that to say that I can go get chicken wings, I can go to the Olive Garden, I can go to the strip club if I need to, and most folks do not have a clue as to what I do or did uh, in, in, in for those eight years. Um, yeah, so. But that changes as you go up the scales, right? Yes yeah. and no. I mean, yeah, to be the President of the United States, you're in a bubble. But I have, you know, I have partied hard with members of Congress. <laughs> You know, who shall remain nameless. I'm you know, like, we need to tell those stories right now. Exclusive you know on Rapid I have kicked it with mayors of major cities in right here in Wynwood. You know, like, you know, uh, so this is not, you know, so people are able to maneuver, especially if you root yourself in this idea that you are of the people. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, unfortunately, put politicians on this pedestal where they have this expectation that you should only operate a particular way. Mm-hmm. You know, you can only be seen in certain places, you you know, and it gets, and they, they make it awkward. But the way you, as the elected, kind of, get, you know, do away with the mythology of it all, mm-hmm. is just, just be normal. You know, the thing about it is you show up to places where people are, they're initially awestruck because they're like, oh, well, geez, I, I, I didn't expect to see you here. I was like, okay. <laughs> but I'll be here next week, you know. I'll be here the week after. Like, this is what I do. I hang out, you know. I, I do regular stuff, and so for me, what I appreciate is people became very accustomed to seeing me uh-huh. in quote unquote non traditional places that for me just were normal settings because that's what I normally do. Yeah, because I remember going to some parties and you getting shout outs. Like, hey, shout out to the white bullet. Shout out to all the DJs I know. <laughs> they helped me, help me get elected. <laughs> okay, so this is an insert. We had a senator twerking. We had a senator who did her head handstand. Shout out to the senator from the great state of Rhode Island. Not okay. many black senators out there. <laughs> yeah, but she was twerking. Right. Cheeks out. Yes. Saying vote for me. Yes. I mean, is that a yoga? Touche. Because no. you say like we got to see you in a different light, and she was kind of saying, and, "I'm a human," and and that's people, it. And but, I think, but that's just it. People were critical of her because, again, they have this particular expectation. But it can't. Here's the thing: it can't be both ways, right? Like you can't expect people to be pious and then vote for somebody like a Donald Trump, mm-hmm. right? Like. Like, this man told you what he did, what he grabs and who he grabs and all these other things. And he was elected president of the United States, right? And so everyone knew all the flaws of Donald Trump before he was elected to office. And somehow, some way, he was still elected there. And you actually had church folks, evangelicals, defending his right to do it, right? And so we got to figure it out. Do we want our elected officials to be representative of who we are, flaws and all, or do we want this sort of notion that this person has to have gone to a particular school, done a particular thing, lived a particular life, you know, go to church every Sunday and be in Bible study every Thursday, 
type type of notion. And for me, when I decided to run, that that was top tier. What I what I walked out there because my mom had come up in that kind of mindset where, mm-hmm. you know, don't let them see you with alcohol in your hand. Don't let them see you at this kind of party. Don't let them da 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 da. And I was like, listen, mom, here's what I do. Like people are gonna have to see me where I'm at, and more importantly, you. You know, if the goal for you is to win an election, to get 50 plus 1%, you also have to be creative in who you're doing your outreach to. So it can't be that you're in church every Sunday and not in the club on Saturday because folks in the club vote too. That's true too. But okay, so then my question becomes with the twerk video, yeah. right? Like, if do you think that that, will be a, that, that was effective? Like if you were her campaign manager, mm-hmm. and she was like, "I'm about to put out this twerk video on TikTok and Instagram real quick. I'm gonna reach my people. I'm gonna reach the young people. I'm gonna reach right. the twerkers." Right. Do you think that you would have advised that? Is the question. Whatever advised it, probably not advised it. But let's think about it. We're talking about it now. Like we didn't know. That's true. We didn't know there was a black state senator in Rhode Island. And now we know that there's one who knows how to twerk, right? And I don't think there's anything wrong with that mm-hmm. in terms of people being themselves. And, like, it's funny. I, I tell people this all the time. I've taught, you know, classes on, you know, elections one-on-one. And I, it's kind of this weird thing. Like, for presidents, there's always this question of, does this person give me a feeling like I can have a beer with them? Mm. Meaning, you know, do they feel as though like they're human? Yeah, they're human. That 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 tactile that I can imagine seeing them in an everyday setting. So it's this weird dynamic where people want to feel a connected. sense of connection, mm-hmm. but at the same time want to feel this sense of distance. And so what I would say for her, going back to it, is like, okay, she did it. It went viral. She got the criticism. Folks are talking about her as we sit here weeks removed from it I bet you this she's raised more money Mm. she's got more notoriety she's got more followers on social media so the outcome of it can still be a plus for her and more importantly if whatever reason folks in Rhode Island say that was beyond the pale she shouldn't be elected anymore I promise you that now gives her the means to go out and tell her story Mm. and encourage more black women especially right to just be yourselves because black women especially when it comes to politics mm-hmm. really do get pigeonholed in this particular hole where they have to be you know you know greater than, than anything else they have to be the best kind of mother the best kind of this they have to have all these things in alignment be part of this sorority or whatever the case may be in order to uh, ascend to this goal and what she's saying is like, I am young, I'm on vacation, and this is what I do. And more importantly, for the people who liked it, who liked her twerking, and at the end of it, the video, she was like, now get out there and vote. I promise you it sticks in their mind like, dang, she was speaking to me. For those people who were offended by it, the question becomes, were you going to vote regardless? Mm. So if your energy now is saying, all right, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna vote for her, but I was gonna vote anyway. That's great, but it means that she touched the particular audience that she needed to touch. If five more people saw her twerking and were like, uh, "Dang, I wasn't gonna vote until I realized that like people who twerk actually are into this like 
Mm-hmm. Like people can't imagine this notion of like their city council person doing these things. But we got like young elected officials all over the country mm-hmm. that are doing dope stuff. Shout out to my boy Brandon Scott, the mayor of uh, Baltimore. Okay. You know who's uh, out here making it, making it crack over in Baltimore all summer. Like he put together a whole summer program for young people in Baltimore. So he's out there bowling with them, dancing with them, line dancing with them, all in Baltimore because he wants to curb violence in his community, right? So now you're talking a lot about like younger people being involved in politics, yeah. and there is this notion out there that we don't vote, right? We're not involved. Um, we don't care. We don't show up. Why do you think that notion exists, but at the same time, we are seeing younger individuals involved in politics right now? Well, statistically speaking, mm-hmm. of all the... When you segment out the population by age, race, and all these other mm-hmm. things, younger people of color, 18 to 30, vote at a lower clip than, let's say, people over the age of 65. Okay. Um, so that's always going to be a critique, right? And it's has a lot to do with people trying to figure out their political identity, mm-hmm. what their political ideology is, and all these other things. What I would say, though, is the younger folks that run tend to inspire younger voters. So when I ran my first race, I started at the age of 30, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so to engage folks, especially like former students who had just turned 18 or were 19 or 20 years old, to see me out there gave them this idea that like anything is possible, right? Mm-hmm. And it was always a great joy to go into a high school, go into a college, talk with students, both when I was elected and before I got elected, because they could then identify with somebody who wasn't extraordinarily older than they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, yeah, extraordinary. <laughs> Listen, average age of politicians is 55 plus. That's facts. You know, and so people's view that as something I can't do till I get older. And so you really got to break that tradition. So again, folks like Gary Chambers, who's under 40, running for a U.S. in Louisiana, putting out those videos that are so off, you know, off the chain in terms of like why weed needs to be legalized mm. and, and why abortion access needs to be made available. Cats like Mandela Barnes of Wisconsin, who's running for the U.S. Senate. You know, mind you, the average age of a U.S. Senator is actually 60 plus. Oof. So these are folks that are in their 30s. Give it a shot. That's dope. That's really, really dope. What? We're in Florida. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're in Florida. Why should we, as these younger individuals, like, be out here voting this upcoming election? Listen, as I mentioned at the beginning, whether you pay attention to politics or not, politics is going to pay attention to you. That's a big fact. Um, you know, my mom used to speak to kids when she was a state legislator and she's uh, you know asked the question what part of your life is unaffected by politics or what part of your life doesn't have politics at all in it? so kids you know being smart like well, when I go to the bathroom ain't no politics she was like you're wrong that's called waste management mm-hmm. and we don't think about those kinds of things that literally every aspect of our life has some sort of political component to mm-hmm. it if you are trouble with student loans if you're a homeowner trying to figure out your property tax bill, if you are, you know, looking at the school curriculum and wondering why they're putting certain books in schools and not putting certain other books in schools, if you are breathing air, <laughs> right, if you are drinking water, um, 
whether it's bottled or from the tap, imagine a world in which there is no regulation. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, you can look no further than certain countries, right, where mm-hmm. people don't have fresh water, people don't have access to running bathrooms and things of that nature, right? All those things have ties to politics, and so when people choose to stay out of it, you're now conceding your power to somebody else. Mm. And, and and that's the thing. Like people are always like, you know, my vote don't count. I ain't yeah. gotta vote. I ain't gotta be involved. You know, this, that, and the third. And it's like, okay, so you're saying that the person who's ultimately gonna make a decision for your life mm. on some level gets to look at you and know that you're discounted from that equation. So what, why would they even care what you think at that point, right? Why should they do or engage with you? Because you're actively saying your job comes up every two to four years and I'm, I'm not going to weigh in on whether or not I want you to keep that job. So they're looking at you like, so let me get this straight. <laughs> you want me to do something for you and you don't even vote? For what? Why should I, why should I lower anything you want. Why should I even pay okay. attention to but you? What if, okay, <laughs> but what about when people, so for instance in our last like presidential election, um, really the last two, what about when people don't like the people that's running? Like they're just like, it's uh, choosing between two devils or two evils or the lesser I, I, two I get when people get and they them. just feel like I'd rather not vote than to pick between this person and that person and in their mind both parties suck. No doubt. I respect that. I respect that and I go through that same struggle myself. But one thing about the fun, the funny thing about the lesser of two evils argument is that by your own admission, you're acknowledging that somebody is less evil. <laughs> like I want you to think about how we equate evil. So you're telling me, you know, one person is evil, and you know one person is not as evil, and you're then going to choose then to be like, I ain't gonna fool with that. <laughs> Now, 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 I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be glib. I don't want to make people think that that's not a thing. But it's just like, I want people to really think about what they're saying. The other piece of the of that is, oftentimes in the political game, it's not a question of picking your favorite, like, mm-hmm. like a horse race. Mm-hmm. It's a question of pe- picking the person who is going to be more, more or less resistant to the things that you need done. So here's the question. If you think somebody who's running for office or the two people running for office is more malleable or easier to negotiate with around the things that you want, why would you not pick that person? That's a fact too. You know what I'm saying? Like like you know, for all the critiques and I get it, I have my very I have critiques of the president on any given day. But we even when we think about the notion of canceling student debt mm-hmm. as a thing. And people are like, well, he hasn't done it, he hasn't done it. No doubt. But would the person who he defeated even be in the conversation? Like, could you even go to a Trump White House and have a conversation about canceling student debt? Yeah, I know. I, you know what it is. People just want to see results. Right? I get it. I, I don't want to. I'm tired of having a conversation. I don't want to talk to you about canceling debt that you were talking about on your campaign. I just want you to do it. You done did a whole bunch right. of other stuff that wasn't even on the campaign list as a first, uh, first, second, or third. First. But you, you have still not done what it is that 
you said you would. But I would also I would also say that people oftentimes have this expectation that by simply checking the box that that's enough. That that's enough. What I'm saying is we gotta uh, put the foot on you know, put yeah. on, on it. Like President Franklin Roosevelt uh, had this quote now I'm gonna mess it up, but it basically was like now that you've elected me, make me do the things you want me to do. That you that you want. Like because I have no you know, you gotta understand, like, you're talking about an individual who may have a constituency. Like, at the time I was in the state senate, my constituency was half a million people. Oh. I knew on no given, on any given day, I was gonna either make somebody happy or piss somebody off mm -hmm. by a decision that I made. But I made a commitment to myself and to my constituents that I would be responsible enough to explain to you why I did what I did. Okay. Right? And, and and articulate that. So anyone who knew me or had a chance to interact with me, or had an argument with me, knows that I didn't back away from explaining to you exactly why I didn't do it. And that's what a lot of people fail to realize in this process is people have a rhyme or reason as to why they do certain things when they do. You might not like it, mm -hmm. but you also have to understand that is the nature of human experience, right? Like, there are people right now who will drive their car until it is almost out of gas. And as a force of habit, right? Mm -hmm. And there are other folks who won't let their gas tank get below half a tank, right? We don't know why they do it, but they do it, right? And so you also have to keep in mind that these are other human beings who have all kinds of flaws, have all things kind of going on, this, that, or the third. and so. For you to then choose to be quiet or take the, uh, you know, Smokey's response to like Debo, when Debo roll around, I'll be quiet. When he leave, I'll be talking again. Mm -hmm. That's how people do around politics. It's like you have an opportunity to be in front of somebody and then you choose to not take advantage of it. Like when I talked early on about people not knowing who their state rep is, that means that you're not even thinking about calling their office. You're not thinking about going to the office to tell them how you feel. You ain't written a letter, email, or anything else. You Y'all read those things? Uh, absolutely. You read it. But, uh, but no, read it. I think collectively, like when the flood happens, we know it. Now, don't get it twisted. There's some arrogant SOBs out there in the world who just don't care. You know, current governor being one of them. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's a but, segment in itself. But it's like, still, it's a responsibility for us to make the demand. Like, you know what I'm saying? Frederick Douglass said, you know, power concedes nothing without demand. Like, mm, this idea that that you expect people in power to all of a sudden read your mind or just anticipate how you feel, stop it. Like, so if you're not actively getting involved, like, uh, the Black Panthers used to say, war is politics with bloodshed, and politics is war without bloodshed. That's what it is. Like, you got to engage in the fight. <laughs> okay. So you was engaged in the fight. Yeah. And then you decided to leave the fight. Or not no. leave the fight, yeah. but you... you different side of Different side of the fight. What made you go to the different side? Oh, because the advocacy is equally important. You know, when I was in office, linking up with organizations, getting to know folks, League of Women Voters, NAACP, you know... Uh, different organizations that are out there fighting on different issues, it was like 
it was good to see and know that there are people out there doing the work. And so the idea that when I left office, I could find a space where I could keep doing the work excites me. And that's what the, the work that I do now excites me in that regard, is the idea of being able to have these conversations. Okay. Like, being and that's what Florida Rising does. You go, you talk about... Community organizing, regional organizing, issue-based organizing, educating community about how to empower themselves through the information that is really readily available to you, right? Like, here in Miami-Dade County, we now have a Tenants' Bill of Rights. A lot of folks don't know that, right? So people are been talking about the housing crisis. Now you actually have some protections mm. in county law, but people had to fight to make that happen, right? So organizations like the Miami Workers Center, like Florida Rising and others, were the ones every day going down to the county commission to make sure we could actually get something in there to protect people from getting kicked out of their homes, right? Mm. And so, you know, we out here. Shout out to Florida Rising. Now you brought something also. Oh, yeah. So I just wanted to make sure that we acknowledge Absolutely. it. Got some, got some merch here, some y'all. Swag. Some <laughs> swag. So this is one of our branded uh, items that we do. It simply says we are the new majority. Uh, Florida Rising, we recognize that black and brown folks are on the come up, right? So that marginalized people, people who've been consistently overlooked are becoming quickly the majority in the state. Mm -hmm. So we just want to recognize that. So that's our little gift to you Thank as the you. host of Rapping Mimosas. Thank you. Acknowledge that you are also part of the new majority. I am. So shout out to black women. Shout out to black women. <laughs> yes. Thank you. This is so nice. I'm at, I'm, I'm going to wear this too. Please do. Please I'm going to wear this. Matter of fact, I'm going to wear it when I vote. Whoop, look is. at that. Look at that. Let me put that to the side. And we are taking a quick commercial break. This podcast is brought to you by my own company, Pitch It LLC, where we work on all things public speaking and confidence. Follow us on all social media at Pitch It 365 and use the link in the bio to book a consultation with me today. See you soon. Give me my theme music. game for us because we about to get into your business just a little bit deeper. I'm here for it. So I want to play this game, okay? Now, it's a voting game. Okay. Okay. So you have to tell me what you will vote yay or nay to. Okay. Okay. So the first thing. And yes or no are my only options, right? Okay. I mean, well. Can I maybe it up sometimes? No. Can you maybe on the vote? I'll, on the ballot? Sure. No, you can't. Maybe on the ballot. See Look at that. So you do that. You can't maybe like, on you the can't, ballot. You got to vote. You, you got to pick one. Mm -hmm. Would you run for governor? Yeah. You would? Absolutely. You're not scared that they're going to try to do you like they did, Andrew? Listen, make it, listen, all my dirty laundry is available and widely available on the internet, if that's what y'all need. Like I said, I'm not an irregular person. Here's here's what I would tell folks, and I shout out to Matt Damon on this one. Matt Damon had an interview one time, and he said, uh, they asked him, why aren't you getting the same level of attention as Ben Affleck mm. in terms of, like, paparazzi all in your business? He was like, because I don't do anything abnormal. I don't try to hide from it. He's like, I go to the grocery store, go to the restaurant, and I eat, <laughs> and I shop. And that's what I'm saying. Like, like I told folks, like, I live in Miami, 
305 Miami Dade County. I have been to the King of Diamonds. Rest in peace to King of Diamonds. Well, you know they got the new one. You know, they do, but old school King of Diamonds. Shout out to Super Terry T. I miss you, that era. <laughs> you know, I have been to the G5s of the world. Like, I got no. Are we going this weekend? If that's what we need. Because you know <laughs> that's where the people are. We're going to wear out. We are the new majority shirt. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because, listen, there are other people twerking besides the, the, the sister from Rhode Island. You know what I'm saying? They're out there. I say all that to say that I don't do anything extraordinary for a black, cisgendered male who's single in Miami. And so, if people got questions about ex-girlfriends or you know this that or the third by all means i will give you their number or their, their emails and you can ask them directly what how not, they feel about me this, this might be a little <laughs> controversial what you think about what happened with andrew andrew lost and then yeah. it just seemed like it was a spiral after that i said that man shouldn't i said they trying to run him out of politics well, listen, and understand this racism is real i consider andrew a friend we went to family together mm -hmm. um Andrew has always been very protective of his of his family, of his brand, and rightfully so. Mm -hmm. You got wife, you got kids, mm -hmm. you got a whole life you're trying to, you know, that you're trying to manage and still be in the public eye. Um, that's, some people make decisions on how to do that. For me, I made a conscious decision to not restrict who I am and not open myself up to people having the questions about who I am, what I do, where I do, and how I do it, right? And mm -hmm. so, I don't, I don't run away from that. So, the question around being governor, if someone, you know, asks a press conference about, you know, you going to, you going to Miami Carnival in October, is that where people are? I'm gonna be there. You know what I'm saying? Let's do it. <laughs> am I going? Am I going to dance moss? Probably not, because you know I don't have my summer body ready. But I'm going to be there, you know, <laughs> with the colors on. <laughs> now, do you think things would have went better had Andrew, like, been a little bit more open and honest? Do you think he was too secretive, quote-unquote, with some of, his, some of his doings? And if he would have just been open and honest, would, would you know... Because I, I do feel like, not to say, like, you do what you do, mm -hmm. right? I just know that the world does not play fair. And then him being a black man, right. he ran for governor... Came close, you know, close enough to winning, but then all these things happened, and it was like after the fact. Yeah. Where I just feel like I'm like they don't want this man in politics. Like that's my personal. And listen, they don't want many folks in politics who are on the right side of history, uh, unfortunately, right now. But what I would say to your to your question is, people have to make a decision, you know, for their life and how they want to govern themselves, um, and they have to live with with that reality, right? And I think for for Andrew, he sided on the notion of, you know, how do I most effectively protect my children and my family uh, in terms of how I go about being presented in the world? And if that's the decision you make, I can't be mad at the reason and the rationale, right? Like, your wife and kids are, are important. Um, Hindsight being 2020, could he have been more open about, you know, who he loves or how he loves? That's that's to be determined, right? I mean, we can't unfortunately run run the clock back, but I think mm -hmm. oftentimes where people get shocked, the shock value of of. 
provocative information or new information really really stems from people having a particular expectation of who you are mm-hmm. and then you being contrary to that expectation right so is is it like anything in life so if you're you know it happens to pastors who are, you know get caught out there soliciting mm-hmm. you know <laughs> Women on the streets. It's like I got a pants you, I can put on glass you know, right now. You know, there was a the pastor who came out recently that uh, they found out that he was, you know, had a had a homosexual affair going on. He had been, you know, he spent his whole career going after homosexuality, right? Like yeah. <clears throat> wagging his finger at people, and now all of a sudden when they find that out, they're like, "But you said so." That's my that's my whole thing. Is like, you know, you lived the life that that you choose to live, govern yourself the way you choose to govern yourself. But we can't be surprised then when certain things come out and that was your life. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. these cats who get, you know, caught out on Twitter talking to these, you know, talking to people outside of their marriage and I'm just like like, you know, they were out here trying to present like they and their wife were everything was fine and in reality, you got whole tweets and whole text messages like that are out there. So it's the for that's the thing. It's twenty twenty two. Anything is possible. Any camera gonna catch you. Anybody can hack your email. Like that's the world we live in now. And I think a lot of people get caught up in this idea that I can keep, I can keep certain parts of my life covered up. And it's like you could, you could try. I think the world wants a reality show 24-7. Like, I think the moment you sign up sign up to do anything that will remotely feel public, like, we're going to speak into existence. This podcast just blooms and blossoms, right? No, exactly. At the same time, with that, there might be some individuals who, if they decide to follow me, they might be expecting a lot of, you know, being able to see a lot of intimate details of my life outside. It, I feel like we live in a very entitled society like it's not good enough that you're an actor and you do all these great movies i need to know who you dating why y'all broke up um what the sex was like how what what your what your private parts look like i need to know every single aspect of you so i can judge and critique your life because now you're here for my full entertainment and i think that's one of the reasons why when i think about um pastors and i think about you know politicians and the idea of either being one or even being married to one like it brings about like a uneasiness because i think as black people especially there is this expectation um on this harshness of perfection that that is placed upon us whether it's by ourselves and our own people Mm -hmm. society learn we can go through the whole idea of systematic and generational trauma and all these different things it's there a lot of times and i just i i would hate that like i was like i I, like i would want you to run but i'm like no dwight don't i don't Uh, i wouldn't want the people to come at you and try to cut you cut you to the white man what i think they're going Here's the thing. If you if you know about black people in America, you know you about to get cut to the white meat. Uh-huh, and yeah. I think, oftentimes, and this is oftentimes the, the the fallacy of people assuming themselves to be connected to other communities. You know, mm-hmm. is that they they make the assumption that racism somehow is going away. Okay. Like because your likes are up, because you're getting more followers, because people sticking a microphone in your in your in your face and telling you how much they love you. People kind of get caught up in that. And you always have to be mindful of the folks out there that are out there to do you harm. I lo- be waiting. I love my they mom. May she rest in peace. But I remember my first election. It was a five-way race. I got 40% of the vote. 
So, I, you know, I beat the closest person by like 11, 12 points. I'm feeling, I'm feeling myself because I'm like, look what I did, you mm-hmm. know, first time out the box, I did that. And I remember we were going to the watch party or the celebration for winning the election. And my mom, like, pulled me aside before I even walked in the room and she was like, just remember that 60% of the people didn't vote for you. No. And I was just like, oh. I remember in that moment, I was like, dang, like, but I won. <laughs> But it was a reality check that she was just remind. She's like reminding you that that is a reality. That sixty percent of the voters. Now you wouldn't talk about the fact that people don't vote mm-hmm. like they should, but just sixty percent of the people who did vote chose another person. Now, for some people, that would be like really problematic. It would really mess with your self esteem. But for me, it gave me a particular drive that one of two things has to happen. Either I got to go about life trying to please people. Mm, can't do that. Or I could just commit myself to a particular truth and take the good, the bad, and the ugly that comes with that. I chose the latter instead of the former, and I, and I feel good about my time of service for that reason. Is that I never, irrespective of who the person was that asked me the question, I was never going to look at it as a dumb question or look down on you because of your party affiliation, your gender, your orientation, your rate, whatever the case may be. Bring it. Let's talk about it. Okay, I got another voting question. All right. Marriage, yes or no? You want it? Well, here's the question. Would I do it versus do I want it? Might be two different things. Okay. Yeah, the short answer is yes. I would, you know, I was a product of a, Two parents who loved each other to mm-hmm. death did they do their part. I would love that for myself, but I'm not breaking my neck to get there. At this point, I'm you know single, unmarried, so I have no qualms with being happy. For me, that's where my that's where I root myself in happiness. And if I can be happy with somebody, cool. Perfect. But I'm gonna be happy alone, cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, blue cheese. This is like not necessarily a yes or no. You gotta pick one. Blue cheese or ranch for your wings? I'm a ranch wing person. Ew. Hey, blue cheese is great. But I like blue cheese. I mean, shout out to Wingstop, Rick Ross. I see you. Whatever you put in that ranch is close to crack. Whatever that is, I would drink that thing from a cup by itself. So. I no, you know, <laughs> blue cheese. Ranch is I used fire. to, I used to be a ranch girl when I was younger. I, I like ranch everything. I'm talking about the ranch dipping sauce for legs. I had to have ranch on everything, salad. And then I got older, I don't even eat meat, but I still look for reasons to like put blue cheese on something. Like <laughs> I will buy some stuff just to like, I got blue cheese at the house. And just to put this like, y'all ever do that? You know what I'm saying? Where you have like something, you got some good sauce. You don't want to let the sauce go to waste. So you get something else just to dip the sauce that, in it or reuse that the, sauce that's how i feel about the wingstop ranch like i have i have literally ordered wingstop gotten two ranches and then tried to find another thing to put that ranch sauce on that wasn't wingstop related yeah like nah, I, I, okay oh yeah i'm a sauce boss uh, you know yum yum sauce from the good folks of samurai i see you ranch sauce from wingstop fire <laughs> okay stacy aprons for governor Yes. Yes. Hell yes. Hell yes. Hell yes. Shout out to all the folks in North Florida. If y'all feel like tiptoeing across the places like Tifton, Georgia, 
you know, up in there, Thomasville. Go, go knock some doors for, for Stacey. We need, we need a black woman governor. I think that every so state dope. needs a black woman governor. I think that that'd be so dope. I'm rooting for her. 100%. I'm rooting for her. Okay. Interesting, Stacey Abrams fact, and she shared this, so I'm not. There's no breaking news, but she actually owns the trademark to the term freak. Man. No. Shout out to Stacey. Abrams. She owns owns the term for freak. Was she at freak? She. So when Did she, she was, go to Freaknik? So I'll, if you know Did the, y'all go to Freaknik? If you know the story of Freaknik, Freaknik started off as a a uh, picnic among AAUC schools, like mm-hmm. the Atlanta University Center. So Clark, Spellman, Morehouse, and Morris Brown, it was just students getting together for a picnic, and then it blew up. She was actually student government president at Spellman when the initial Freaknik started. Wow. So she was smart enough and savvy enough to trademark the term. So anytime you actually see the the spelling of Freaknik as it's supposed to be, they gotta pay Stacey. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. First of all, shout out to her, that's smart. Yeah. But what was it called before? Cause when you hear Freaknik, like yeah. she coined the term Freak, like so the students was getting together cause Freaknik is Freak. Well no, nah, they, they, they might have called it, but she was the one who was like, we gonna put the paperwork on it to make sure we brand it so that no one oh. else no one else can go and take it because it was a very much an Atlanta thing. Oh, I get, I get it. Okay, okay. You ever been a freak Nick? You know what? I wanted to go. Freak Nick, freak Nick made it to MTV the year before I was the year I was graduating high school, and when that blew up, that's when the city shut it down. Oh. So by the time I got to Fam, Freak Nick was wasn't what it, I what would, it used I to like, be. I'm about to say I would I would have loved. Now, speaking of like all of this politics, right? Politicking. Yeah. Right? So, you know, in our community, sometimes like there are times where you might see some people and they might say, We're politicking right now. First of all, for the people who might not have heard that term, what does it mean to be politicking? It means so much to different people, you know, Mm -hmm. for for the black community, right? To politic and politics is, you know, to chop it up, to figure out where people stand. To understand where people's minds are, it has, you know, kind of that meaning, right? It's to politic with somebody, like, you know, where you from, what you about, how are you going to help me, help you, type of, type of thing. That's politic. It's to get things in order. Yeah. To get things in order. Now there are rules and politics for everything in life. Would you agree? I would agree. Okay. So what? What? What's your politic in? Okay, mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to dating, uh, when it comes to when it comes to dating, my politics and my my rules for the road, if you're gonna interact with me, is that a be prepared to have a good time. Oh. Understand that it is gonna be a non-pretentious good time, oh. meaning that if you got, you know, if you start putting on all these airs and making it putting on more stress than it needs to be, that's not gonna be good for anybody. So. Think about, you know, kind of like the innocence of a good time that you used to have as a kid, right? Not innocence in like, like innocent, innocent. What I mean is like the simplicity of it all, mm-hmm. right? The things as a kid that just simply made you happy. When parents be like, go outside and play, and you be out there until the streetlights come on. Mm-hmm. That's how, that's the approach I bring to dating, right? It's like, show up as your best self. Let's get out here, have a good time. And in a perfect world, it's kind of date where we're vibing in such a strong way that it starts early and ends late. Okay. 
All right. Politicking when it comes to business relationships. Listen, uh, you can't trust everybody. And that's that has nothing to do with black, white, or anything else in between. But uh, what I found is that uh, God has given me a particular intuition. Uh, and when I feel a gut feeling about somebody... You got to trust it. You got to trust it. Absolutely. And so if you give off bad juju, bad energy, it's nothing personal. I just can't rock with you. Can't rock with you. Can't with you. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Politics when it comes to grief. Dealing with grief. Listen, feel all the feels. Everybody grieves differently. That's, that's the reality. I know for me... I had a bad habit of internalizing mm -hmm. things, like trying to put on, like, ah, I'm fine, when I wasn't. Um, and that caught up with me when my mom passed away back in 2013. Mm -hmm. And I told myself from that point on, I was not going to do it that way anymore. And so whenever I feel sadness, mm -hmm. I just need to take a moment. Like, I can't be around. For me, grieving means I need to, like, you know, sit with it be by myself some people like to grieve around other people mm -hmm. for me I just kind of need my own space for a little bit until I can get back out in the world and kind of kick it I don't think you know as emotionally aware as I am right like mm -hmm. as much emo as, as much emotional intelligence as I know I have like when it comes to grieving I, I don't always know if I fully do it um, like or my grandfather passed away, and maybe it's because he was older, mm -hmm. but still the way he went wasn't necessarily like he was sick or anything. He fell, right? Hit his head, because um, he kept refusing to use his walker, mm -hmm. no matter how many times I would say, Grandpa, you gotta use your walker. Right? right? He falls, goes into pretty much like a coma, um, never, he doesn't wake up, right? And when he passes on, I think my mindset at that time was so, like, stuck on I gotta be there for my grandmother, right? That I didn't allow myself to, not say I didn't cry, I did cry, but you know, at the same time, I think I was just so like, what does grandma need? How do I get my grandmother situated? You know, let me do the the program for the for this and that, and make right. sure this is going well, let me call these people. And you kind of get moved away from the grieving process because there's business like, they, like when it comes to right. death especially there's, there's the funeral and all the things there's business within mm -hmm. it right and now I'm in charge of my grandmother's care I'm her legal caregiver and when I think about that right I think about the business that like even loving my grandmother there is business yeah. that I have to tend to when it comes to loving her at this point I gotta make sure documentation is correct I gotta deal with the IRS the social security all, all of the different things um, make sure certain things are paid on time on her behalf you know and it was a messy situation when I first had to take over so like it's I don't know grief grief to me is hard like grieving a breakup yeah. to me I think is like more, what is it, malleable or like, like it's I like deal with it. it's I can easier. deal with it, but I think grieving death, and I've been fortunate, I haven't lost a lot of close people, but in the past couple of years, some of my elders have begun to either pass on or you know, kind of get to that place. I don't know if I know how to fully do it without like being so business oriented. Well, that so you sound a lot like me when my mom passed, right? Like, 
and same thing with, with, with relationships. Like, it's interesting that I find myself in a work mode to not deal with the emotion mm-hmm. that ultimately comes with grieving. So when I say, like, feel all the feels, at the beginning, what I'm simply conveying to folks is you have to figure out what works for you. Mm-hmm. There's no methodology, there's no book that's going to tell you how you feel about these people. Because I have grieved differently for different people because they've had different impacts on my life, right? Mm-hmm. And so I say that to say that give yourself grace mm-hmm. to feel how you need to feel. Because for some people, the grieving may not even end. There are people who, like my brother, you know, I love to death, has, you know, has lost a lot of people, you know, older folks close to him, and it impacts him every time. Like I just got to call and check on him because he'll he'll start crying or, or or get emotional as he gets close to their birthday or the day that that person passed. But I also know that that's his thing, mm-hmm. right? That's how he responds to grief, and I know that that's a thing. So my response to him is to make sure, hey, you good? Just just call him to check on you because I know you know this is a rough time for you, et cetera, et cetera. For you, it may be different. For this person, and again, it may be different based on certain circumstances. And all of that's okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, there is no universal policy uh, when it comes to those kinds of feelings because they're yours. So feel them you feel. Okay. I respect that. And for the people who might be interested, the politics of getting into politics. Because there's politics to that, too. Right. And staying in it. So a lot of folks, the, the, the normal school of thought is to to be something different than who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of folks will say, well, I'm passionate about community, you know, passionate about kids, passionate about this, passionate about this, whether it's one thing or many things, and I want to get into politics. And then someone who makes a lot of money off of your campaign will come to you and say, well, make sure you wear this color suit, make sure you wear this color tie, make sure you wear these kinds of shoes. And people fall into that trap where they're just like, yes, that is how I got to show up mm-hmm. in politics. What I would say, having gone through it and then come out the other side, is the reason that I can sleep at night and feel good about what I did is I never felt as though I had to compromise myself mm-hmm. with a handful of exceptions, right, mm-hmm. in terms of, like, actual votes. Mm-hmm. But uh, in terms of how I showed up in the space, you know, how I styled myself. Like, again, I love my mom, but she was... She was one of those people who was just like, you got to get a pair of khaki pants and a blue blazer because that's what politicians wear. And I was just like, okay, not going to do that. I'm going to wear jeans and a button-up because <laughs> that's what I'm comfortable in. Because at the end of the day, you're not going to make a genuine connection with people if they can't feel a genuine connection coming from you. So if you're putting on airs, if you're trying to like, walk in a particular lane mm-hmm. because you feel that that's the way you're going to appeal to people, not only are you faking it, but you're faking it for them. And so, and unfortunately people become accustomed to that. So what I would say to anybody is show up as yourself. If you don't know the answer to a question, be willing to learn and listen. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, what I find is that uh, the politics of politics is you should listen way more than you talk. Than you talk. Okay. 
that's all like the politics of life, actually, to be honest with you. Everything he just says on like the politics of life. Show up authentically, be prepared to listen more than you speak so that you can actually learn something. It's hard to learn something when your mouth's always going. You know, them ears need to be open. That's why you got two of them. Ain't that what grandmama said? Two ears, one mouth. You know, you need to know when to shut this one. My grandma once told me, she, you know, she was married to my grandpa for at least 53 years. And I was like, Grandma, how did y'all make it so long? You know, right? She was giving me the classic love and understanding and trust. And she said, and knowing when to shut up. And she caught me off guard. That, that last one, I said, no. And shutting up is hard. Shutting up is hard. And granted, that works. We gotta we got learn how to shut up. Ladies, we gotta learn how to shut up, right? Uh, men, men, sometimes y'all gotta shut up too, but I'm gonna speak to, I'm gonna speak for the women in particular. You know, sometimes we gotta shut up. That's what grandma said, okay? So at her, okay? And at your mama, not me, right? But <laughs> those are just things that we, you know, to think about. The politics of life also, I think, applies to everything you just said. So I appreciate that. Tell the people one more time who you represent. I know you represent yourself, so but yeah, also your but, uh, brand. Shout out to Florida Rising. Uh, like I said, we're a member-based organization. Check us out on the social media at FL Rising, FL Rising uh, on IG, FL Rising on Twitter. The website is floridarising.org. Get to know us. I think we're going to be, you know, we're out here talking about a lot of things that people care about and need to learn about to the whole thing about listening. The idea that, you know, black folks, you know, they say black folks aren't involved in environmental issues. We need to be because they've been out here poisoning us for decades. And sometimes we don't realize uh, that, that that's been with intention and that there's a way to fight back against that. When it comes to reproductive rights, people want to be, you know, take this moral high ground on reproductive issues without understanding that black women uh, disproportionately suffer a higher uh, mortality rate uh, than any other race of women worldwide when it comes to uh, giving birth, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so there's complexities with that. Suffer from higher occurrences of, of ovarian cysts, higher occurrences of ovarian cancer, and so all of that is encompassed in the reproductive spectrum. Don't get caught up in this whole who gets to abort what, where, this, that, or the third because women collectively need autonomy over their own bodies. Hello. But moreover, if you say you care about black women, then you need to care about reproductive rights. Housing rights, as I mentioned before, we're all in the midst of a housing crisis, but we all need to understand uh, and fight for the protections there. Uh, as I mentioned, climate, uh, criminal justice reform uh, is key, you know, as again, 13% of the population in many states, over 50% of the people that are incarcerated. Uh, and the arrest rate among black people is even higher. I say that to say that that is where institutional racism comes in. For those people who like to be like, well, that statistic means that black people are, are more apt to be criminals. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. System has been put in place to make black people, uh, you know, statistically uh, in these positions, and we need to, to break that cycle and fight back against that. Lastly, as we've talked about through most of the conversation, voting rights. Mm -hmm. uh, your voice is your vote. Uh, whether you like to play in politics or not, we need to do it. I would say simply this. If you have ever been in a relationship and Facebook stopped 
or Instagram stalked the person that you were seeing at the time, and you don't do the same thing to your politicians, <laughs> you aren't playing the game right. Because I promise you, your ex-girlfriend ain't going to screw you over nearly as much as the local politician that you're not paying attention to. <laughs> That's a fact. You ready to rap? I'm ready to do something. Let's go. <laughs> All right, we gonna rap. Listen, um, she she uh, twerked to get the vote. You That's gonna it. rap to get the vote today? And listen, ain't gonna lie, my flow's gonna be kind of. Uh, we not gonna speak that type of negativity. Oh. So you want first? I want first. How you want to do it? Uh, what if you got the flow? Oh my goodness! I want you to inspire me. Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, we sitting here. And we vibing at the urban. Shout out to them. Yeah, they sponsor the show. Now the white said he really, really, really wanna flow. So you know I brought him here and told my boy, let's go. Yeah, we talking about voting and we keeping it real G. Yeah, we all in good with the community. And I'm rapping on the beat. And I'm surprising myself. And I never, 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 never stop. Oh no. Yeah, we rapping and we voting cause it's important. And I'm not on beat, but that's okay. Hey, 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 I'm having fun. The white jump in. It's your turn, hon. Now, Jeezy once said that the president is black. Yes, he did. Mm -hmm. And we know for a fact mm. that we had a black president. Okay. But here's what I'm telling you. Okay. Is that racism. Racism, racism is impacting us on each and every day. And I'm not going to be on the beat. Why? Because this message is too critically important. We need each and every one of you to come out August 23rd and November 8th and make a damn difference. And that's all I got to say. Oh, that's all you got to say. Stacey Abrams, uh, coin free me. <laughs> that, hey. that shit tickled me. <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. Yay! Okay, it was great talking with you, but you know the And same. I want more comments about What's... what I said before than my rap, because I said I had no skills from the onset. Okay. <laughs> It's all right. Listen, we're not rappers, but we're rapping, though. That's okay? it. No That's doubt. the no biggest doubt. thing. No so we always want to end the way we start. You know, I got a mimosa. These bars in the holster. Pulling up a drink. Put my name on what? the poster. Women who can rap make you come a little closer. Step out the whip. Drop a tip to my chauffeur. New guest on my list. Champagne's by my hips. It's time to get lit. Y'all know what it is. It's time to rap, 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 and mimosas. Thank you all. See you next episode. Yay!